The ideas, procedures, and suggestions contained within this podcast are not intended as a substitute for consulting with a medical professional. All matters regarding your health and fitness require medical consultation and supervision. Welcome to the Warrior Wellness Podcast, a podcast for military members, veterans, and first responders focusing on fitness, health, nutrition, and biohacking. Our mission with this podcast is to introduce America's heroes to lifestyle habits and hacks that will help them live healthier, happier lives, and in turn, be fit enough to continue their support of their communities and country. Welcome to another episode of the Warrior Wellness Podcast. I am your podcast host, Steph Lincoln, former Army captain and founder and CEO of Fire Team Whiskey Military Fitness. So today I'm sitting down with Aaron Quinones, also known as Sergeant Q. So I'll probably just call him that. <laughs> A little easier to say. He is the Senior Executive Director of Operation Pop Smoke. So you're going to learn all about this organization here in a second. Aaron is a Marine veteran who specialized in communication as a forward observer when he was a Marine. And Pop Smoke, Operation Pop Smoke has an app called the Pop Smoke app. And it's a complete peer-to-peer support structure designed to connect peers anywhere in the world at any time to provide aid when you need it or when someone needs you. So this app was designed by veterans for veterans using proven tactics and techniques with the latest technologies, helping veterans transition to civilian life in suicide prevention. This app can be used by anyone um, and it has a built-in support structure that can be used for to support someone you know or built within a community so you can provide each other help at any time. So it's a pretty cool concept pretty intrigued by this um, this app and the um, especially the way you pop smoke so we'll talk more about that if you've ever been in the military you know what that means but it takes on a whole new meaning um, within this app so it's pretty interesting the way they use this concept in the app on having people kind of get themselves help whenever they need it the most so i hope you enjoy this interview with sergeant q from operation pop smoke Introducing the new Fireteam Whiskey Fitness and Nutrition app. Everything you need to get fit and lose weight right at your fingertips. Choose from hundreds of fitness videos and fitness plans. Search for workouts by fitness level, equipment available, or body part focus. Choose from several nutrition plans and customize your macros. Your entire fitness, nutrition, and wellness plan all scheduled on your calendar. Text a trainer anytime for tips, tricks, and motivation. Achieve your fitness and health goals with the Fire Team Whiskey app. Go to www.fireteamwhiskey.com to get two weeks of results for free. All right. Well, Sergeant Q, thank you so much for being on the Warrior Wellness Podcast. We have so much to talk about, so let's just dive right in. <laughs> so, um, Tell us a little bit about your background. You're a, a, a Marine. I won't say former Marine because Marines are never former. They're always Marines. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, and how you um, and and how you kind of got involved in Operation Pop Smoke, and we'll talk about your other curriculum here in a second. But give us your background. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so I grew up uh, actually in the mountains of Northern California. I grew up in a small little mountain town called Mad River, and so I think my graduating class in 1997 was like seven or eight students. It wasn't wasn't a whole lot. So, if you don't know where Mad River is, it's right in the middle of what we call the Emerald Triangle, and so it's between Redding and Eureka, California, way up in the mountains, and they call it the Emerald Triangle because that's where all the marijuana was being grown back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and pretty much 90s. That's where all the marijuana was being grown. And that's right where I grew up. So there's nothing out there but a bunch of hippies, outlaws, uh, and loggers, really. And so that's right where I grew up uh, in this community. And so I grew up experiencing, uh, I grew up in the drug trade, experiencing uh, a lot of violence, a lot of crime. And I didn't really understand uh, that that wasn't normal. (laughs) 
know, it was just how I grew up. And so I wasn't really taught to, I wasn't never taught to hate the police. I was just taught to kind of be wary of them and stay away from them. And so that's what I did pretty much my whole life, which is kind of funny now because now I work very closely with the Auburn Police Department. Uh, and I also work with the LA County Sheriff's with uh, mental talking to them about mental health. I do a lot of mental health training for the police up here in Washington. Uh, and I'm actually on the, the uh, police advisory board here in, in, in Auburn, where my headquarters is at. So I do a lot of work now with the police, uh, which is just kind of funny that I'm in that space now, but it's, it's helped me grow a lot as well in my uh, mental health and my robust, you know, um, you know, mental health program, because now I have to face some of those things, those traumas that I experienced as a kid and go through that. And so gr growing up in that, that community um, was, was really, it was really tough, but, but as a kid, it really shaped me and molded me. So when I joined the military, it wasn't as much of a hardship for me as it was for some of these other guys that came in, you know, because I grew up with limited power with, um, you know, no, no indoor running water or, or bathroom facilities. We had an outhouse, you know, we had to cut our own firewood, hunt our own food. I grew up out in the wilderness. And so when I joined the Marines and we're going out and doing field training and stuff like that, like, I'm like, this isn't hard. It was pretty easy for me because I had grown up uh, dealing with that hardship. And so I become accustomed to that. So for me, you know, boot camp and some of the training I went through, especially with like first Anglico, a lot of that is outdoor training. A lot of that is land navigation and things like that that guys really struggled with. And for me, I just I just didn't because I had grown up and had already had such a um, a robust experience dealing with with hardship that it wasn't it wasn't a big deal. Uh, it wasn't until I came back from Iraq and I experienced some trauma there that all of that stuff from my childhood started coming back and kind of compounding me. And I started really studying about the brain and mental health and how the brain functioned. And I realized like, oh, wow. Okay. So that stuff that I dealt with as a kid wasn't really normal. And I actually, not only do I have to unpack the stuff from, from Iraq, but I also have to under, unpack some of that stuff from my childhood. And so if your listeners are out there and you really don't understand what that means, there's a great documentary that was done a few years ago. It's called Murder Mountain, and it's about the drug trade and how it operates up there um, in Northern California. And so I didn't live on Murder Mountain. I lived on the backside of that, just a little bit north from there. But everything in that doc documentary is, is accurate. It's just barely scratching the surface of what actually goes on um, there in in those mountains in Northern California. And so growing up there, it, it, it's a definitely a unique experience. Uh, it's not like growing up in the city or growing up like here in Auburn. I mean, it was very kind of a way set apart from the rest of the world, you know? And I didn't realize that until I became an adult and started researching these things and, and, and learning about it. But that's, that's how I grew up. And it, um, it definitely, there, there were pros and cons to it. And I, I look back and there's a lot of my friends that grew up in that same environment and a lot of them didn't make it out. You know, a lot of them kind of got stuck in what I call the victim mentality, where they just a perpetual victim of their circumstances, where they can never take responsibility for anything that happened to them. They're always getting fired. They're always, you know, uh, losing relationships, friendships, and it's always somebody else's fault, right? It's always somebody else. They never take any personal responsibility. And I understand that because that was me for a very, very, very long time. And through studying the brain and how it operates and dealing with mental health, I learned that there's really kind of three basic camps that everybody falls into uh, regarding mental health. And I call it the victim mentality, the denier camp, and the, um, uh, oh, excuse me, the denier camp and the, um, lost my train of thought, I apologize. My son was trying to call me. <laughs> so there's there's really three main camps that people fall into. Right. There's the there's the victim mentality, the denier camp, and then there's the third camp, which I call the silent majority. And so the victim mentality are people, uh, and I lived in this mentality for a long time. People who are just a victim of their circumstance. They never really take any personal responsibility for their healing, and they just blame other people, and they just live there. And we all know people like that, right? Who just constantly are a perpetual victim of their circumstance. And then we have on the other side, which I lived in this camp too, just because I didn't understand it when I was in the military, which I call the denier camp, 
which is like, oh, mental health, you know, it's not really a big deal. And people who are dealing with trauma and PTSD, that's for those guys, those old Vietnam vets, those guys who've had multiple tours overseas, those guys who have bronze stars and Navy crosses, like those are the guys who get PTSD, you know, not your average soldier like me. I, I don't, you know, so I lived in that denier camp. And a lot of times you hear people in that denier camp say things like, oh, well, they're just faking it or they just need to get over it or they're a malingerer, which was a very common term. I don't know about in the army, but in the Marine Corps, it's a very common term. Oh, he's malingering, right? Which means that he's not really hurt. He may be hurt a little bit, but he's not, he's exaggerating it. Um, those kind of terms get thrown around. But then we have what we call the silent majority. And I think this is the largest group and uh it's where most of us are probably at right now. It's people who've dealt with mental health or dealt with trauma, but they're still surviving. They're, they're thriving. They're lawyers, they're doctors, they're pastors, they're business owners, they're police, they're fire, they're EMT, they're military, they're moms, they're dads. They're doing all these great things in the world, but they've struggled with mental health or they're currently struggling with it right now, but they're too afraid to say anything about it because they don't want the people on the right, the denier camp, painting them as the people on the left, the victim mentality. And so they stay quiet. And this is the worst thing that we can do, because if we stay quiet about our mental health struggles, uh, it just continues to perpetuate those two negative stereotypes, which are minority camps. Because yeah. you see, when, we, when you and I come forward and we're talking about mental health and we're sharing our struggles and we're being transparent with people about things that we deal with, it changes the conversation for everybody. For the people on the left who are in that victim mentality, it gives them hope and that they can do better and be better. And hope is a huge catalyst for change. It's the number one catalyst for survival, according to John Hopkins University. And then on the right, the people who are in the denier camp, it changes what they think mental health is. Because I own a very successful janitorial company that I started when I was homeless. And now I have over 110 employees here in the Pacific Northwest. I have an award-winning nonprofit, I own commercial real estate, and I have a new technology startup called Operation Pop Smoke. And I've done all of that. And I still tell people like, yeah, I still deal with depression. I still deal with anxiety. And those people in the denier camp, they look at me and say, well, you, you have all this success. Like why you deal with mental health? It changes their idea of what they think people with mental health uh, issues are because they think that they're broken, they're they're helpless, they can't do anything, and it changes their perspective. But yeah. the main thing that it does is the people who are in the silent majority, it empowers other people to step forward and say, hey, I struggle too, and start the conversation with their own friends and family about mental health. And that's I the number that. one thing. I love that you brought that up. That is so huge. And I don't think that's this is talked about like ever, you know, really. <laughs> like right. I mean, ever. I love that you said that because, you know, I, I think what a lot of us, the way we approach life is if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. Right. And so if you, you have this idea of people who struggle with mental health issues and they're broken and they're homeless or they're, you know, they're losing their jobs, they're alcoholics and all that kind of stuff, you know, the typical Vietnam veteran that we see on mm -hmm. the streets. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're not having those struggles, but you're still struggling internally and you know that that things are not optimal right and there's some things that you would love to feel a little bit better about not experience you you kind of push it back because you're like well you know i I'm, i don't have a mental health problem like you know it, it, i'm not like that guy on the side of the road or that alcoholic i see out in front of the you know right. the liquor store so you know I'll, I'll just leave it be it's that you know well if it's not broke don't fix it but the people, what you don't realize, like you said, is that this is kind of dangerous because, you know, it, it, if it's there, I, I think of it as, you know, it's a, it's a seed, you know, and it's, it was planted there by whatever it may, it may have been that, that you went through, whether it be trauma or maybe genetically you have just susceptibility for depression, yeah. or maybe you just eat a lot of freaking junk food and your serotonin's <laughs> in the tank, you know, which is what I do with my clients. It's like, Hey, how about we just clean up your diet and maybe your body can produce some serotonin. You can feel a little bit better. So, you know, whatever it may be, there, that seed is there and it's not going to go away. So it's going to grow. It might be growing slowly, but you're going to start to have some struggles. Eventually you may be pretty successful, like certain Q right here, but he identified, Hey, I need to work on this because if I don't, 
it's going to grow into something bigger and it's, it is going to start to get at the roots of my life and start, you know, making me, um, fail in some areas that, and struggle in some areas that I'm not struggling in right now. That's, that's absolutely correct. It's, you know, a lot of times we, we look at the stuff that's happened to us and we're in that victim mentality where, like I said, we're just a victim. And I call this the slingshot analogy where, you know, if there's a, if you picture a rock, you know, a rock's not going to really travel very far in our lifetime, right? It's going to pretty much stay where it's at. Now you could pick that thing up and you could toss it and it may go a little ways, but if you take that same rock and you put it in a slingshot, the farther you pull that slingshot back, when you release it, it's going to launch that rock farther than anybody ever thought possible. And so I tell people that we are that rock and all that trauma and pain and abuse that you may have experienced in your life, that that's all the things that are pulling you, pulling you back, holding you back. And you're absolutely right. All of those things are holding you back, right? Growing up in poverty, growing up in abusive situation, growing up in the drug trade, growing up with violence, all of that stuff, you know, in a poor neighborhood where it's access to poor education, all that stuff truly is holding you back. It really is. But it's only holding you back because you refuse to let go of it. You see, the moment that you let go of all that pain and past hurt and stop using it as an excuse not to excel, that's when it's going to launch you farther into your life than you ever thought possible. And I know because I've experienced myself and I, this is what I teach to everybody else who goes through my program. And, and I've won multiple awards from the Department of Veterans Affairs, as a matter of fact, uh, for this program, teaching people how to overcome trauma through this process that we call healing through service, that there's healing from trauma through serving others. And people hear that and they think, oh yeah, right. Well, I mean, I, I break it down and I show you, this is what, this is how the brain operates. This is the medical journals and the medical studies behind it. And then this is the real life application. This is what I've done. This is what other people have done. And here are the results. And I put people through this six week long course. And uh, at the end of it, we challenge them to go do some sort of community service in their local neighborhood where they can continue uh, this idea of healing through service and be able to take this to the next level. And so what I do is I take guys, guys who go through the program, they can sign up and then they can go with me. I go once or twice a year down to Mexico. And in two days, we'll build a home for a homeless family. And that's our healing through service journey right there. And so guys go through that program. And in two days, we built a home for a homeless family using all the skills that we've learned through that six week long course. And then they get to experience that for themselves. It's, it's no longer just reading about it, reading about what the brain does, reading about what other people have done. It's experiencing it for themselves and feeling that mental health boost and being like, oh, wow, this really does work. And then I, when they go home, I plug them into other areas where they can continue serving in their community, serve at their church, serve somewhere with, the, with veteran groups, serve uh, you know, at the local YMCA, wherever they feel like they're being called to serve, that's where we want to plug them in. So that way they can continue this lifestyle of healing through serving others. And so in the, in the book that I wrote, I break it down step by step. People can just pick up the book on Amazon and go through it on their own, or they can sign up and I teach a six week long course online where guys show up uh, for 90 minutes once a week. And we discuss these chapters. There's just little exercises they go through and it's really teaching them how to be mentally fit. It's, it's really, um, we, we teach them that, that, that health just isn't, just isn't physical health, right? Physical training. There's mental training and mis, there's, there's uh, mental fitness that you need to be able to develop along the way as well. And we teach them how to do that. When you look good, you feel good. Guys, it's about time you threw away those stained t-shirts and those baggy, saggy shorts and upgrade your gym swagger. Zaya Active is the official workout wear of Fireteam Whiskey. Go to bit.ly forward slash Zaya FTW and check out all the styles for women, men, and kids. Yeah, that's so awesome. And I want to backtrack just a second to what you said that it, uh, just to reiterate, you know, letting go and, and the, the, uh, the slingshot um, kind of metaphor that you used um, to, <clears throat> to reemphasize letting go doesn't mean denial. That's right. right? <laughs> I don't want people to confuse that. Letting go is not denial. Letting go is not, okay, forget it happened. 
mm-hmm. and just pretend it didn't happen and you know get over it quote unquote right right we hear that a lot with people who go through trauma it's like well why can't he just get over it or you know it was 10 years ago why can't you just get over it so that's not what we're talking about here when we say let it go letting go means that you are moving forward and starting to You know, I think of it as, okay, if you think of it as a rock, literally that you're carrying around a boulder that you're carrying around on your back, it's not dropping the, the, the rock right away. It's chipping away at pieces of it, doing the hard work to start to drop some of that burden. And then eventually you'll be in a place where maybe that rock is tiny. Maybe it's a little pebble you keep in your pocket just as a reminder, you know, with all the tools that you picked along the way, you know, because in, in a lot of ways, I think a lot of people can attest to this. Maybe even you too, Sergeant Q, you know, some of the things that we've been through the hard shit, you know, has, has actually resulted in positive, you know, a net gain in our life. So we, we shouldn't just let it go because you actually can get a lot of positive things from a negative thing that has happened in your life. Right. So, you know, we don't want to, you know, just forget it and deny and pretend it didn't happen. We want to chip away at that rock, do the work and move forward. So this is what you're doing in your six week course, right? You're kind of teaching people how to start chipping away at that rock. That, that's exactly, exactly right. We, we want to let go of the pain and the hurt, but there's some great lessons in there, not only for us, but lessons that we can teach to other people along the way. And so that's what the book does. And, and we really teach people how to reprogram their brain. Like we, we start teaching about the functions of the brain, how it works, what stress does, what's cortisol, you know, what's adrenaline, what do these things do to our brain? How does it affect the receptors, which allow us to start absorbing different uh, serotonin chemicals and things like that? You know, we experience trauma, the brain receptors, they, they're like flowers and they're open and they receive different signals. But as you experience trauma, especially prolonged trauma, those start to shut down. And how do we reopen those? How do we re-engage those? And so we talk about how the brain works, how it operates, and how to take those negative situations and be able to find something positive out of it so we can reframe that experience and create something positive out of it that we can be uh, proud of. And so a great example is homelessness, right? So I was homeless as a kid uh, growing up, and then I was homeless again when I came back from Iraq. So anytime somebody talked about homelessness, I was like, I'm out. I don't want to talk about that because it touched that little bit of pain in my life. I was like, nope, nope, I'm, I'm out. I want to talk about something else. Or any time that I got in trouble at work or I had financial problems, instantly my brain would go to, oh, you're going to be homeless. And I would have a panic attack and be like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. Right. And so some of you guys, uh, I don't know what that is for you who are listening, but we all probably have that that thing where when somebody talks about it, we're like, Ooh, I don't want to touch it. It's like the stove. It's hot. Like, I don't want to touch it. Right. It, it hurts. And so you don't want to talk about those things. You don't want to be around those type of things. You don't want to have anything to remind you of that negative experience. And so what we teach people is how to take that negative experience and turning it into something positive. And that's what I've done with homelessness. The first time I was invited to Mexico to build a home for a homeless family, I was like, Nope, I'm out. Don't want to do that. Don't want to go overseas, uh, especially not without a weapon. And I definitely don't want to deal with homelessness. Like I'm out, but I ended up going anyway, because I felt like that's where God was calling me. And so I went and when I went, it totally changed my perspective on homelessness because it was the first time that I had a positive experience around homelessness, which helped me reframe that memory. And that's where this, this idea of healing through service came from, because if we find people always ask me, they, they start going to church and like, well, I want to serve. And I don't know what God has for me. I tell them, Find your pain and there your ministry will be also because who better to lead somebody out of the darkness than somebody who's walked through it themselves. And so you've got to face those fears and you've got to, you don't have to overcome it a hundred percent, but you've got to overcome it enough where you can talk about it and experience it and not have that visceral reaction where your body shuts down, your mind shuts down and you start going into a PTSD episode. And so in the book, we talk about how the brain operates and how you can reframe those negative experiences into something positive. And so along the way, from the very beginning, we have you start doing these little exercises, right? I basically, Mr. Miyagi people through the process, right? We're just painting the fence. They don't know why. So I'm having them do these little exercises, go out and do something nice for somebody every single day. 
So consciously make a conscious effort because now we're no longer just a passenger in our day, but we're actually taking an active role in engaging the public and, and doing something um, consciously. So we consciously decide that we're going to do something nice for somebody every single day. And we, we journal that, we record that. And then, it, and then we do that week after week after week. And then we get to a point in the book where we're like, okay, uh, this is how the brain operates. And this is how you can reframe it to have better mental health. We have more mental fitness. And a lot of guys are like, well, that's not going to work. I'm like, well, actually it's already working. Look at your journal. Let's read back through your journal. Let's see how you felt in the beginning and let's see how you felt now. And each one of them is kind of that aha moment where they're like, wow, that actually does work. I've, I've literally experienced it. And so we, we talk about that. We have them pick something from their past. It could be anything. We ask them not to pick you know, the most um, terrifying mental health issue they've had, but pick something that, that we can work with. And we kind of work through that all the way through the book and help them reframe that. And then when they go out and do whatever public service, we have them work in an area that's going to touch that a little bit. That way they can start to to build positive um, experiences around that negative interaction. So that way they can start bolstering their mental health. There's a study that was done at a Harvard and it said that it takes five to seven positive experiences to overcome one negative experience because our brain has what's called a negative bias. And you guys can Google this, look up negative bias, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. There's been thousands of studies over this, this concept of the negative bias. And it's, a, it's really a survival mechanism for us because if we go out and we eat this pink berry and uh, we get really sick, uh, our body's going to be like, ooh, we don't want to touch that pink berry. Now, talking to military folks, uh, we've all gotten sick on alcohol, right? Like, like that's just in the Marine Corps, like drinking is a big thing. And so you can probably all remember the first time you got sick on, a, on an alcohol. For me, it was black velvet. And even to this day, like if I smell it, I'm like, oh, my stomach turns. I have a visceral reaction to it. I'm like, oh, I don't want to touch that stuff. And so what happens is that when, when we have that kind of reaction, um, it's our body's negative bias, our survival instinct kicking in to keep us away from danger, to preserve life. But that happens with relationships too. So if you have a negative interaction with a friend or family member, it's going to take five to seven positive interactions just to get back to neutral, not even start building relationship just to get back to neutral. So think about that with, with your own personal relationships now, right? With people that you no longer have relationship with, maybe what happened, right? You had some negative experience, which was the catalyst to have you isolate away from that individual. And then you continue to dwell on that negative experience and you never sought out any kind of reconciliation. You never sought out any kind of other involvement with that individual. So you're stuck. Your last experience with them was negative and it just stays there. You haven't tried to create any positive interaction. And I deal with this a lot with husbands and wives, right? Like divorce rate is high in the military because we always focus on the negative side of our spouse. So anytime a vet comes to me and I'm working with him and he's like, oh, well, my spouse did, you know, this, this, and this. I'm like, okay, three things. Perfect. I'm like, all right, now give me 21 things that, that you appreciate about your spouse. Well, what do you mean? I say, we're going to sit here all day, bro. Like I need, I need to hear 21 things. And, and so then they'll do that. And I'll say, okay, well, how do you feel now? Well, they feel a lot better because they've, I'm teaching them how to overcome that negative bias. And so these are things that you have to practice every single day, right? And so you'll appreciate this because you, you work in fitness, right? And so I give this analogy. It's so funny. Everybody, like right now, gym memberships are going through the roof, right? Like everybody's buying gym memberships because like, oh, I'm going to get fit in 2022 and I'm going to lose all this weight. And, and so for the first 30 days, man, they're at it. They're at it every day. They're working out. You know, February, March comes, maybe they're in the gym one or two days a week. And by June, there ain't nobody in there but the gym rats that's just, you know, pumping iron. Well, why is that? Because they didn't have the discipline to keep going. Everybody has these great intentions, but they didn't have the discipline to stick to it. And that's, um, that's what happens with our, with our mental health as well, is that we have to have the discipline to stick with it. Guys to go, go through my program and they do great for a couple months and then they start to fall off. And then I get these emails or phone calls like, oh, your program didn't work. Like, okay, well, well um, you know, are you doing your journaling? Well, no, I haven't been doing that in a while. Okay, well, are you practicing these things? Well, no, I haven't. So, okay, well, where are you serving? Well, I don't have time to serve right now. So, okay, so the program works. You're just not using it, bro. You got to do these things every single day to, to stay fit, just like working out. You can't work out one day a week and, or, you know, and think that that's going to keep you fit. Like, that's just not going to work. You got to be practicing these mental tools every single day so you can be fit to fight in this new battlefield, the battlefield of the mind. 
Yeah, I love that analogy. And it is a battlefield. I mean, we we all go through landmines and and wars and battles in life. You know, life is 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 hard sometimes. You know, we don't we all don't just walk through life and it's unicorns and rainbows and you know, everything's wonderful. Things are going to go to shit. You're going to have a fight. You're going to have a death in the family. You're going to have something bad happen. You're going to get laid off. You're going to you know, there's so many things. So are, are you prepared? Just like when we were in the military, you know, you always had a contingency plan, right? We, we, that was ingrained in our, our brains over and over, over again in the military. We had a contingency plan. We trained every day for the what if, right? That's right. It didn't mean the what if was going to happen, but we were ready for it if it did. So how come we don't do that in our everyday lives? We should be doing that, right? Absolutely. You know, so sure, maybe you have a great relationship with your spouse right now, but hey, things change. What if, you know, what if things get hard? What if one of you loses their job and you're experiencing financial stressors and you're starting to fight, right? Or you have a kid introduced to the world and yeah, everything's stressful now and nobody's (laughs) sleeping and, you know, like. It, yeah, sure. It, it could be magical and rainbows right now, but the what ifs will happen eventually. So why aren't we training for them now instead of waiting till, you know, the shit hits the fan and everything's falling apart and you're a mess and you're all stressed out and you're not prepared for the situation. So it is about being fit to fight. And that's why we use that, you know, that motto with Fireteam Whiskey. It's not just about having big muscles and biceps. You know, I have nice biceps, but, you know, that's not, because I want nice biceps. It's because I want to be fit. It's because I want to burn more fat. It's because I want to be physically ready for whatever comes at me. I, you know, I want to have a healthy body. I want to live my life to the fullest. Right. So there's a lot of other reasons to work on these things and not just, you know, having a, you know, a a plus, if you go to a mental health provider and they, you know, check you, give you a smiley face and say, you're good to go. Right. You know, it's, it's about living your optimal life. And I love that you use service. I love that's a main tier of your approach. And, you know, you don't hear that that much. You, you see, you know, courses and therapies and interventions and that kind of stuff. But the service aspect is really unique to what you guys do. So why was it so important to include that in, um, you know, your, your six-week course? So I, I, I will answer that question, but I actually have a question for you and it'll lead right into this. Actually, it's perfect. So you, you talk about, you know, fit to fight and you call yourself fire team whiskey, right? And so, uh, and, and I, I looked on your guys' app and a big part of it is accountability, right? And, and, and a fire team. So maybe, maybe unpack that a little bit for me. Um, why do you guys operate in this fire team mentality? And, and what is that um, accountability? What does that look like? And how does that, how does that work with people achieving their goals? Yeah. So, um, you know, when I created fire team whiskey, our programming, I used the kind of the base concept of a fire team. So obviously you are Marine. So you, you know, very well what a fire team is. You know, so for those of you out there who don't, um, you know, it's, it's basically the kind of smallest element in the military. It's, you know, four or five, maybe seven guys and gals who all kind of have different specialties, right? And you all have different MOSs and you're all good at certain things. And you're, but when you put, you're put together as a team, you're a great team to accomplish a mission and you do it together. So maybe in one area, I'm, I'm not very strong, but we've got somebody on our team that's strong in that area, right? So we are able to accomplish the mission together. So that's what I wanted to create out of Fireteam Whiskey. So, you know, we have more experts in nutrition. We have more experts in behavior change. We are more experts in fitness. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not a bodybuilder, but I've got a guy who's a bodybuilder, <laughs> you know, so if somebody wants to bodybuild then I, then we, you know, get him involved. So we have experts. So we basically, when you join Fireteam Whiskey, you join our fire team and you become a part of our team and we work to accomplish the mission together using our expertise to get you to, you know, accomplishing that mission. So if you try to do it solo, you can only go so far because you don't have expert in expertise in everything. You know, you're not a nutrition expert. 
you're not, you know, maybe not a bodybuilding expert. You, you basically, you know, maybe don't really even know how to use the gym equipment correctly. So, you know, we kind of meet you where you're at and then surround you with experts, kind of train you up and, and get you moving to accomplish your mission. So it is a huge part of that is accountability because, you know, we can't leave you behind, right? You're a part of our fire team. Now there's no man left behind. That's so right. when you stumble, we stop and we figure it out and we fix it. And then we move forward. So, you know, we're not crossing that finish line without you. So it, we may have to push you, prod you, give you a little tough love to get you there, but we're going to do what we need to do to get you to accomplish that mission. That's awesome. John Maxwell. I don't know if you know who John Maxwell is, but he's a, he's an international um, speaker, trainer, and coach for leadership. And he said, if you want to go, if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, you go together. And it's so true. You need each other. And so a lot of times in the military, we're working in these fire teams, in these small units, and it's why we're so successful. And when we get out of the military, we kind of just drop that pack and are like, I don't want to do anything with veterans. I don't, I just want to do this on my own. Right. And for some reason, we think that that's the right thing to do, even though all of our military training tells us different. Uh, I tell guys like you didn't fight the war alone, so don't fight mental health alone either. And to your point, and you'll appreciate this, I think, um, the Department of the Army, they did a 40-year-long study to determine why the military was so formidable on the battlefield, and they narrowed it down to one single element. Do you know what that is? The squad. Because we fight in squads, which there's like three fire teams make a squad. Because we fight in squads, these small units were more effective because every member of the squad values the squad over themselves. And therefore, they will fight harder and longer to stay alive because they don't want to let the squad down. And on the other side of that, every member of that squad knows that if they get injured or pinned down, that their fire team is coming for them because we're never going to leave a man behind. And so that's why we're so effective. 40 years they did this study to determine why we're so effective on the battlefield. And that's the number one element, the squad. And you've already figured that out, Stephanie. And that's what I figured out too. I put guys back into squads. When we go to Mexico and we build a home for a homeless family, we put them back into squads. We reintroduce the squad concept to help them be successful uh, in their civilian life, just like they were in their military life. And so the same thing with the act of service, right? We go out and we want to serve the community. And you can only do so much as if you're one person. But if you're a squad, if you're a group of guys or gals, you go out and you want to serve your community, you can do amazing things. And there's, there's groups out there that are doing this very successfully. Look at Team Rubicon. Look at Team Red, White, and Blue. Look at the mission continues. Like they all understand like this idea of service is helping them. Now, I don't think they understand it to the level that I do, or they'd be teaching these courses like I do, right? They understand like getting people together, it helps them, it boosts their mental health, and they can go do great things in the community. They understand it. I unpack that, you know, and so I work with some of these guys in Mission Continues and Team Red, White, and Blue and Team Rubicon to unpack like, you know why you're experiencing this? Like, let me show you why and try and introduce this curriculum. Like, this is something that you can utilize with your teams when you go out is to share with them why they're having these experiences. And this is how, how altruism and volunteerism can help boost mental health. And then you rebuild your own communities. And so the churches are, the, are my favorite people to work with because a church needs a lot of volunteers to keep the doors open and keep things running, right? It, it probably takes about 30 people uh, every Sunday to run a Sunday service. When you talk about people opening it up, cleaning the bathrooms, setting up the chairs, running the lights, running the sound equipment, the, the people who are singing. Uh, doing the slides like it's about 30 people that aren't getting paid they're all volunteers and so the churches I, I really try and show them uh, this curriculum and I have several churches that are using it to to help them um, better serve their population right like teaching them like hey this is why we serve because we actually receive mental health benefit from it and then I show them scripture as well in my book I go through a lot of scripture you know I just even if people aren't Christians it's totally fine you can ex you can still at least respect the Bible for it being uh, a very accurate historical document right and so I show them that this is what the Bible's been telling us for 2000 years. And this is what science is saying. And they're not at odds. They actually are the exact same thing. And so in my book, I break that down and show people that this idea of faith, hope, and love that's in the Bible is actually the, the formula to us living successful mental health lives is being able to utilize these things. And here's the science that backs it up. Yeah. And so 
that's why we do the the whole idea of service is because there's healing through serving others. And I, I showed the, the medical data behind it, the research studies and the scriptural application. And then we take that whole concept. Every chapter is a new concept that we go over and we have those three components in it. And then we take those three components and we create an action item, something they can go do right now today, utilizing what we just learned. That way they can see it in their own life. And so yeah. some of the guys that have gone through my program have gone on to do amazing things out in the world because they're, they're utilizing this on a, on a daily basis. Are you fire team ready? Try the fire team whiskey spec ops, keto Joe shake. The keto Joe shake is a medium chain triglyceride MCT shake derived from non GMO coconut oil. It contains 17 grams of MCT, 10 grams of high quality whey protein and no sugar. It's sweetened with stevia leaf so you can keep those carbs low and shred that body fat. 25 milligrams of caffeine to give you extra energy for the gym or your busy day. Fireteam Whiskey has been supplying military members deployed all over the world with Spec Ops shakes for over three years. Fireteam Whiskey Spec Ops shakes are fueling the fight. Whether you are just trying to lose a few pounds or trying to get that extra edge in the gym, the Fireteam Whiskey Spec Ops shakes are for you. Make sure to stock up now and support our efforts to raise funds for Team RWB, our nonprofit partner that provides social support and fitness events for our nation's heroes. Yeah, and I love that because it's not just it's not just about so I won't name the organizations, but there are a few um, who we have decided as far as Team Whiskey not to do things with because their, their group get togethers are not focused on service or a, a specific mission. It's more yeah, yeah. just kind of, we're just getting together and we're just telling a bunch of war stories and drinking a lot of beer. And that's not helpful. It's not, it's, nope. it's not a productive activity and, and we don't support that as, as fire team whiskey as an organization. So um, I'm very careful about who we affiliate with, you know, in that aspect. And I love that you, your get togethers are focused on service. It is about, you know, doing something helpful for the community for another person. And you're getting those mental health benefits from that service. So, um, you know, it's a win-win for sure. So can you, um, tell people where to find out about, um, your book and this, the six week course and the, the trips that you do? Yeah. So there's a couple of different ways you can look up sergeantq.net. So sergeantq.net is, um, that's where you can find all these resources. Uh, you can, you can book me to come and speak, uh, if you have an engagement, which I'll be in North Carolina speaking, um, next month. So you can, you can book me there. You can also find my book. Uh, it's on Amazon. It's called Healing Through Service, The Warrior's Guidebook to Overcoming Trauma. And so it's right there. Uh, you can find that on Amazon or Audible, or you can buy it from my publisher. Uh, and then the course is HealingThroughService.com. So HealingThroughService.com. That's where you can sign up for the course. And there's a link to buy the book there too. So for your listeners out there, if you guys want to sign up for this, I teach every quarter. And so I'm in the middle of a course right now. Um, I started it early because I'm going to be doing this big speaking thing. But, but if you use the promo code podcast, uh, you'll get a discount on. It's like a forty percent discount on the group teaching. And so I want I want to get this in the hands of as many people as I can. So in North Carolina, um, there's a pastor that invited me out. I'll be basically teaching. There's like fifty different churches that'll be represented out there, uh, and I'll be teaching them how to utilize this program inside their church to better serve the veterans that are coming in. Um, from all those military facilities there, how to better reach those guys. Because when I first started going to church, a lot of these guys didn't understand me or where I was coming from. I really felt like an outsider. It took a lot of hard work to, to feel like I was understood inside the church. And so now I create this resource for pastors to be able to use. It's, you, it's designed as a small group study. So it's six weeks long, teach people how to utilize it. Churches already use a small group study type curriculum. And so I designed this to, to work right along with what they're doing right now. So I'll be out there um, teaching them this, this curriculum as well. Yeah. And um, do you, uh, I'd love to talk about Pop Smoke if you yes. have time to yes. do that. Let's talk yeah. about the Pop Smoke app because I, I love that concept um, that you use on the Pop Smoke app. So we'll, let's tell people about that. Yeah. So Operation Pop Smoke. So this was really just uh, 
birthed out of a burden that I had trying to help veterans guys who go through my program and they do really well. And like I said before, they would kind of crash, right? They'd burn in and, you know, some of them would start feeling suicidal again. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, why, why is this happening? And so I was in the middle of writing my book and it was about ready to go to publishing. And I was just struggling with this. And I remember I just prayed to God. I said, God, I don't understand what is happening. I just had one of my guys who was feeling suicidal, um, we literally did a grid by grid search of this guy for this guy in the city, trying to find him because his wife said, hi, he's been drinking. He feels suicidal. He just left his parents' house. He said, he's going to be coming here. He's walking. So I sent out two teams to go find this guy. And I'm in Mexico at the time. And I'm trying to coordinate, um, these two teams to try and find this guy, figuring out this is the most direct route he's on foot. And so finally we find him and he's standing on an overpass, getting ready to jump off this thing. And two of my guys, they roll up and do a textbook snatch and grab on this guy, bring him in, take him to the VA hospital, put him on a 48 hour mental health hold. And so I remember I was just sitting there. I was just praying. I'm like, God, I don't like this program works, but what's happening. What is going wrong here? And I just, I said, I don't understand it. Just show me what I'm supposed to do here. And I woke up the next morning and I had these visions in my head. And so I sketched them out on a notebook, just like photos. And I sketched them out with a little, like couple sentences underneath. And I called my buddy, who's a filmmaker with Knox studio. And I said, Hey man, I've got this, I need to shoot this video. Can you help me? And he's like, well, what's the concept? And I sent him over this like, Oh, you wrote a storyboard already. And I was like, what's a storyboard? He's like, well, this is it. Like, this is the scene and this is what's happening. I'm like, ah, cool. That's, I woke up this morning and that's what I saw in my head. So I wrote it out. So anyway, we filmed this whole thing. And the first time that I sat down and watched it was the first time I realized exactly what I needed to build. And I built this app called Operation Pop Smoke. And so there's a bunch of elements inside the app, which I'll go over. So in the military, uh, and you alluded to it in the very beginning, right? We want to pop smoke because we want to get out of here. That's a term that we use. Like, hey, man, Gunny's looking for two volunteers. Like, ooh, I'm going to pop smoke, man. I'm out. Like, I'm going to leave the area because I don't want to get caught up in whatever needs to get done. But I use smoke a lot on the battlefield. Uh, I was a Ford observer, so I call in air artillery mortars. I run nine-line briefs, which means I'm getting wounded out of the battlefield. And I use smoke to designate LZ's landing zone. So I'll pop a red smoke and I'll throw it on the battlefield. And then the bird will see that and they'll come down and they know that's where we're going to pick up all the wounded. And everybody else on the battlefield knows that's a casualty collection point. So if you've got wounded or dead, you need to bring them there ASAP so they can get airlifted out. And you're probably going to get resupplied at the same time. So people know that. I also use white smoke to designate a target, you know, to be able to throw smoke on the battlefield. And then when the plane's coming in, I can direct them, say from the smoke, it's going to be 800 meters to the northwest by the river where it bends in a U. It's a marker where they can see that and head toward it. So that's why we call it Operation Pop Smoke. So in the app, we base it on the squad mentality, which you and I talked about, right? So it's, it's four guys that you know and trust that are going to be there to help you when you're struggling with mental health that you can be raw and real with. And so remember, the squad is the number one reason that we're successful on the battlefield. And we reintroduce that back to the veteran's life so that way they can be successful as a civilian. So you've got these four guys that are going to be there to help you and you're going to help them. It goes both ways. And so really, at its basic form, it's just a messaging chat app. It's a secure private messaging chat app where you can chat back and forth. Now, it's not like social media. You cannot search for anybody on this thing. If you download the app and then you send out and you create a squad and you send out an SMS or a text message, uh, uh, an email or a text message in the form of an SMS, and it goes to the people that you want in your squad. When they click that, it brings them, they download the app, it brings them automatically into your squad. So there's no searching for anybody or anything like that. There's not even an option to do that. So you're in that group and now you're there to help one another. So you just chat back and forth. So if somebody's struggling with mental health, what I learned by researching this, I watched hundreds of hours of interviews with people who had survived suicide attempts. And the one thing that they had in common was that they all said they regretted that attempt. The moment that they initiated the suicide, they instantly regretted it. And these are guys like jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, had, had shot themselves, had done whatever. The minute that they had initiated that suicide attempt, they regretted it. And so I started unpacking. It's like, well, what does this mean? And I, through my research, I found out that when people are going through a mental health crisis, part of their brain actually shuts down. So their cognitive thought process, the process that has good decision-making skills, long-term planning, and the ability to overcome impulses is reduced. And so it's not that people actually want to end their life. They just want to, they don't want to continue to live the way that they're living. And when they have the impulse to commit suicide, they act on it. 
without being able to process through that moment in time because that part of their brain shuts down. So their brain is malfunctioning. It's not that they want to actually in their life, their brain's just malfunctioning. They cannot process through it. So the app helps them do that because now when they start to feel that anxiety or they start to feel suicidal, they don't have to think about who am I going to call? What am I going to say? I'm going to be embarrassed. All of those faculties are removed from their brain already. They're not having that cognitive thought process. So now they can just push one single button on their app and it sends an alert out like an Amber alert to their friends that are on the app with them. Now, two things happen. So we'll talk about the individual, what happens when they press the button, and then we'll talk about the squad. So the first thing for the individual, when they press that button, now they have limited impulse control. So if they say, oh, I start to feel suicidal, maybe I should push the button. They're not going to process through it. They're just going to push it because they lack the impulse control. So on impulse, they're going to push the button, which is great. They push the button instantly for them. It starts what we call a cognitive reconditioning program. Now, I didn't create this. This has been widely used in the mental health arena for decades. It's commonly called a grounding technique. And so it's a series of five questions that are designed to bring your cognitive thought process back online. Because when people are struggling with mental health, they're stuck in the subconscious part of their mind, which, which is usually a traumatic memory. And they're stuck in this traumatic memory and they can't get out. So they're not seeing reality. They're, they're reliving this traumatic event that they experienced and they're stuck there. They can't get out. So what this does is it brings their conscious mind back to the forefront so they can start having good decision-making skills. So they push the button. It asks five questions, you know, name five things that you can see, four things that you can feel, three things that you can touch, you know, all these, these questions. And as that's happening, it's bringing that cognitive thought process back to the front so they can avoid impulses and they can uh, have good decisions. So when they finish that, it takes about 12 to 14 seconds. When they finish that, it automatically takes them into the messaging app where they're chatting with their friends and family, right? Whoever they put on the app. So it instantly takes them into there and they're waiting for their friends and family. Now, if their friends and family don't answer up, they have five minutes. If they don't answer up, it automatically turns them over to the suicide hotline, automatically. It just automatically puts it in their auto dialer and it starts sending that stuff out. And so we don't use the suicide hotline. What we use for the veteran version, because we have civilian version, but for the veteran version, we use the veteran crisis line that's run out of Rutgers University by veterans. So that's, that's the emergency line that it goes to as a fail safe. But the goal is to have it never actually go there. The goal is that one of those other three guys are going to answer up on the chat because it's going to pop up on your phone like an Amber alert. You'll click it and it takes you into that chat feature and you can start chatting with that individual who's in distress. But here's the really cool thing. Even if that individual doesn't answer up, if they go dark or they start saying things um, that are really dark, it, it doesn't even matter because when they initiated that signal, it automatically turned on their GPS locator on their phone. And now that squad can navigate directly to that individual's uh, position or direct emergency services there. Because if there has been a suicide attempt, those moments really, really matter. So the faster we can get to them, the better. And that's really the basics of Operation uh, Pop Smoke. Now, since then, we've partnered with a medical group out of North Carolina um, called Cone Health. And so they invested some money into it. And we were able to build out another component to it, which is what we call the daily mental health wellness check. And so every day this thing pops up on your phone as an alert, you select it, and it asks you three questions, uh, no, four questions, and then it disappears. At the end of the week, you get um, an email that shows you your mental health data for the day or for the week, the month, and the year to date. So you can start tracking your own mental health data. And the really cool thing is that if you're being seen by a mental health uh, professional, you can share this data with them. There is a, a dashboard for uh, mental health professionals to be able to log in and track their patient's data daily. So if this person starts to, their mental health scores start to decline, that mental health professional can reach out to them and offer support before they get into crisis. So it's really, really important. It just finished its medical trials actually uh, at, a cone, um, at a cone health in North Carolina, and we had a 100% success rate. So they were giving this to everybody who came into the emergency department. They offered them the app, said, you want to be part of the trial? Anybody who came in with suicidal ideations, they, they offered them this app. Everybody who used it, there was 100% survival rate and 0% recidivism. And so that's really the key component right there is the recidivism rate, which means if somebody comes into the hospital system uh, for suicidal ideations, there's a 40% chance they're going to come back within the first 90 days for the same thing. And so that's a huge burden on the healthcare system. 
to the tune of $69 billion is what it costs the healthcare system. And so by utilizing this app, they were able to support this individual before they came back in into crisis mode. And so it saved them over a million dollars that during the, the trial, but we had zero, zero people come back uh, into the ED looking for, for help for suicidal ideations. So the app works, it, it works fantastic, but it's like a seatbelt. It only works if you put that bad boy on. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's, and that's kind it, of the long story of how that app. I uh, love it. And app. I mean, it does everything, you know, because if you're, if you're a mental health professional, you already know this, but if you don't, you know, the, the number one, um, uh, determine if if I'm going to see you again it, with a with a suicidal ideation or attempt is social support. That's the number one determinant. That's right. It's whether or not you have it and whether or not it's strong. And that's that's the missing piece with with medical services. Great. They're there they're there for you in an emergency, but they're not providing that social support you need in your everyday life. You know, so they're they're, they're kind of the catch-all when it comes to people who are in crisis, but yeah. they're not really able to do anything to prevent it because the only way to prevent it is to have that support in place and available, you know, when this person be, comes into crisis, because that's how they end up in the ER. So you're building that into these people's lives is, okay, whatever's going on with you, whatever's happening, whatever relationships you have, okay, apparently you know, these, these aren't what you need right now. You need a built-in social support. Who are the four or five people that, that right. you know, that can make this pact with you and surround you with the support that you need. So you can eventually, you know, so you can do the hard work and eventually heal and, you know, and, and not need this, you know, kind of level of, of propping up anymore, but, you know, it's not for people who are in crisis either. I mean, it's just, we all have bad days, right? And That's right. like you said, going back to what you said at the beginning, a, ma a majority of us are in this silent majority and we just kind of, you know, have our bad days. And some people just kind of don't know why we're in a bad mood for a few days and we kind of work mm -hmm. through it and then we get past it and we move on. And that's, that's what we do. But if we had that, that pop smoke app, if we're able to have people we trust and that social support to kind of work us through that. You know, maybe we'll get out of that funk a little sooner. You know, maybe we, we um, you know, kind of get pulled into, you know, doing an activity that we wouldn't normally do. We'd probably just kind of hang out at home and watch Netflix and, and brood and, you know, be feel sorry for ourselves for a few days. And you know, maybe they get us to get out. And I love that. I'm glad you mentioned that video on your on your website, the Pop Smoke video. I really love the video. That's the thing that like caught my eye when I went to the website. I was like, wow, this is a really touching video. Like this describes exactly what people need who yeah. are struggling with mental health issues. It's that, that team of support, that fire team, you know, to kind of surround them and to help them accomplish their mission and no one gets left behind. So, you know, when, when you fall and you falter and you, and you fall on the battlefield, you know, they're coming for you. That's you know? right. So I love that. And another aspect that I love about your app is that, you know, even if you personally don't need it, you can donate it to someone who does. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, there's, we started with just veterans, right? I was very short-sighted. I was like, I'm just going to help vets, but then this hospital system got a hold of me. And so now it's in emergency rooms and things like that. And so if people want to uh, donate apps, absolutely, because they donate apps and then we, we give them out through my nonprofit, which is called Q Missions, which runs all of the um, uh, the trips to Mexico and Haiti and Honduras and all these things that we do all over the world. Like that's Cambodia right back there that some veterans and I were building a children at risk center. It was a children at risk center. It's designed to help um, prevent sex trafficking is is what what they do down there and so we built the center for them but the app it's um so if people want to, to to donate they can donate and then we'll give those out so it started out as uh just a dollar a month but as it grew and and and, and grew and needed more server space and then it had to put all these fail safes in place for like um 
HIPAA compliance and stuff like that because it went through medical trials. And so I had to create this more robust thing. Uh, it's about $24 a month right now. And so what we're trying to do is partner with organizations that want to provide this to their members, like the VFW, AMVETS, other organizations like mine, like Q-Missions, who want to provide this tool to the members as a benefit to them. The other way that we're looking at doing it is like through hospital systems where a hospital can now uh, give this out to people coming into the emergency room or like a large employer like Cone Health. They provide this to their employees through their employee benefit program. And so we're, we don't really want to make this um, – people can go uh, on the App Store and they can download it and they can use it, and that's great. Absolutely, you can do that. But I'd much rather partner with an organization that helps people – uh, get connected with this app because just having the app is great, but just a fire team on their own out there on the battlefield, they're effective, but they really need that support from higher headquarters, right? So here's, here's a great example. If I have a, a fire team and one of their guys is, um, having problems with alcohol, right? And so they develop a, a plan like, hey, look, man, you're only suicidal when you've been drinking. So the next time that you're suicidal and you're drunk, we're going to take you in and get you into this 30-day inpatient treatment program. You all agree to that. Now that time comes and they're calling around trying to get them into that inpatient treatment. And they're like, oh, well, it's going to take 60 to 90 days to get them in. It's really, really tough to get into those things. But if you have an organization behind you, if I call and I'm the founder of Q Missions, which is an award-winning nonprofit here in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm part of the Seattle Seahawks Task Force 12, if I make the phone call and say, hey, I got one of my guys, do you have a bed for him? Magically, a bed opens up immediately. And so that's the power that an organization has uh, to, to better serve either the people that they're serving or their employees is they, they have this robust network of partnerships that they can access as where the individual fire team doesn't, the organization does. And so if an organization wants to provide this to its members, so if there's a company out there, let's say Google or Facebook or whoever wants to provide this to their members, they can do that. And they get to choose what resources are available to that individual. So they give us the list of resources. So on the resource page, it's all there laid out, the resources that that company wants them to utilize. So they already have an employee benefits um, specialist that has all these benefits. And so we make that accessible from the app so they can click it and use it. And then we can help them track that as well. So they can see what, what resources that they're providing are actually being used and which ones aren't. So at the end of the year, they can do a cost savings analysis and say, hey, we have 20 of these things, but only four of them are actually being used. Do we need to actually invest in something that's not being utilized? And so that's a service that we can provide as well. But really the strength is in that organization, that parent organization. It makes that fire team so much stronger, so much more robust, and so much more effective to helping the individual who's in, in distress. Yeah, that's so awesome. Well, awesome. Wow. We talked about a lot of stuff today. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yeah. So we'll include all the um, links in the show notes. Um, but uh, so everybody knows where to go for the book, for the six week course, for the app. Um, is there any, uh, any final thoughts, any final comments you want to add before we close out here? You know, one thing, um, yeah, that I wanted to mention is that that the the app and the company right now, it's really just my wife and I that are that are trying to run this thing and get it out there. And you can see, I mean, I have a janitorial company and uh, this curriculum and teaching. I have a lot of stuff on my plate. So what we're doing right now is we're actually going out and we're doing pitch decks to find investors who want to invest in this um, mm. uh, in this app. So I can basically hire a whole nother team that can go out and start putting this into hospital systems. We already have the medical data. It's already been uh, validated. There's going to be a white paper published on it by the end of the year. And all I need now is a financial injection so I can hire this team so they can go out and roll this out into all these emergency rooms. And it's really a no brainer when the average when somebody goes into the hospital for suicidal ideations, it costs that hospital on average of $50,000 per occurrence. Yeah. And so what happens is that the insurance company will pay for the first time. But if they come back, that recidivism rate, they change the rules and say, we're not going to cover that anymore. Mm -hmm. That's That burden is going to be shifted to the hospital system. Yeah. And so now the hospital systems have this huge burden on them to, to find solutions. And we've seen a 20% uptick in suicide 
uh, in every single demographic since the pandemic started. So it was a bad problem that just got even worse because of the isolation that everybody and the stress that everybody's been experiencing because of the pandemic. So this is the perfect time to introduce a tool like this because hospitals are going to want to use it because it's a cost savings for them, right? Yeah, they have to pay for it to give to the patient. But when you look at $24 a month versus $50,000 per occurrence, it's really a no brainer on which one you want to have to pay for. And so I just need to be able to hire a team that I can put out there and start getting this rolled out in these different hospital systems across the nation. So if there's anybody out there who's interested in hearing this pitch deck and wanting to become part of, uh, part of our financial team to help us roll this thing out, you know, I'd love to hear from you. SergeantQ.net, hit me up and uh, spend 30 minutes with you, go through all the ins and outs of the app, how it works and uh, how you can become a financial investor. Awesome. Well, thank you, Sergeant Q. This was a great discussion, conversation, and thank you for all of your work and service and dedication to healing, you know, the mental health wounds of not only veterans, but, you know, and anybody struggling with mental health issues out there. And um, I salute you for, for your dedication, your hard work, and thanks so much for being on the Worry Wellness Podcast. Awesome. Thank you, Stephanie. I really appreciate it. And I love that you've uh, found that that squad mentality, just like I have. So many other veterans out there uh, have figured this thing out. And I just think it's fantastic. So good on you. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks so much again for joining us on another episode of the Warrior Wellness Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, follow, like, all that good stuff on your favorite podcast platform or and on our youtube channel go ahead and leave us a review while you're there and if you screenshot your review email it to info at fireteamwhiskey.com with your name and address you'll be entered into our drawing for a prize or just leaving us a review so let us know what we're doing great what you'd like to hear more about And please go ahead and just give us a follow and give us a honest review, especially on iTunes, because that helps us reach other military members, veterans, and first responders with this vitally important information about how to improve their health, fitness, and wellness. We will see you at the next episode of the Warrior Wellness Podcast. I am your podcast host, former Army Captain Stephanie Lincoln founder of Fire Team Whiskey. Fire Team Whiskey is proud to sell Zaya Athletic Wear. We love the awesome styles, amazing quick dry technology, and best of all, the price. Zaya Active is the official workout wear of Fire Team Whiskey. Go to bit.ly forward slash Zaya FTW and check out all the styles for women, men, and kids.